0: Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal Word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to another session of Global Answers. We're glad to have you back with us. Uh, Professor Stephen Strew and myself have been discussing the subject of Proverbs and uh, Old Testament shadows And trying to show how perfect is the Word of God. And that the Word of God, the way that God lays it out, He can cause it to repeat to the ages. He can absolutely control everything of the world to bring to pass what His Bible says is going to happen. And we can watch that. We can spend hours on even what's going on in Israel and the Islamic world. It's exactly a fulfillment of Scripture. But our subject matter is Old Testament shadows, New Testament shadows, and how the parables can actually be a shadow of things to come. As we said, they overlay over the seven churches of Asia. And then we know that by studying the seven churches of Asia, we find that they are seed or prophetic of ages to come. And that the apostle Paul was the angel or messenger of the church of Ephesus, and then God had a man that was a messenger to each of the succeeding ages that we can just trace them out, and we can we can also lay these parables right over, or right over these church ages. And so we were talking about in Matthew chapter 13 the seven uh, parables that are there. And then we were, we were kind of focusing in on the parable of the wheat and the tares, because it's a very significant one, and we are now at harvest time, so therefore this becomes very significant to us, because you'll see as Stephen goes through it that this says that at harvest time there became a new
2: awareness. So, Brother Stephen, share with us the parable of the wheat and the chairs. Sure, Brother Lani. Thank you. And I just want to go back that uh, title of professor. Um, it sounds uh, so uh, so much more than uh, what But what it was, as I used to teach in a right. technical institute, as it would be called here, Technicon in South Africa. And what's so significant about these parables and about these shadows and from the Old Testament is... Uh, is that it's the best way to teach and I remember teaching students and trying to put, convey to them the picture that was in my mind and I found that if I could present them with a picture that was the best way to communicate mm, an idea yeah. and we all know that uh, pictures picture is worth a thousand words and right. that's why we have uh, this uh, this program because mm. watching uh, is 80 uh, is percent of the information that we get in, we get in through our eyes and so being able to see what we're doing and to see people even if they're just having a conversation it helps to uh, make it more interesting It also helps Correct. them to remember right. better. Jesus did the same thing uh, and he used uh, pictures that they would be very familiar with. A sower going forth to sow and it would be timeless mm-hmm. because as long as man is on the earth we're going to have to sow and we're going to mm-hmm. have to harvest and we're going to have to uh, use that to, to eat and to live and so the, the implications behind what Jesus uh, was saying would have been very um, easy for them to grasp Mm -hmm. in the natural. But as we said last time, Jesus said, um, the deepest parts of what I'm going to be saying, now that's hidden. That's only revealed as uh, the desire to, to hear and to see the truth behind those parables is present in the hearer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, reminds me of the, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So there's a conditional mm-hmm. um, aspect to these parables. In principle, uh, they would understand uh, the picture very clearly. Mm-hmm. But now what we're uh, Called to do is to have a desire to know more about what was it that Jesus? Why was he telling them these parables, and what was the message that he was trying mm-hmm. to convey? Mm-hmm. So we're almost looking for the message behind the picture, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what Jesus did when he talked about the the sower. And uh, then in verse 24 of Matthew 13, this time it was the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares Mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. And so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the servants said unto him, Will you then that we go and gather them up? And this is so critical. Jesus said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares. That's interesting. First the tares have to be gathered together. And then he says, and bind them in bundles to burn them. He says but going back now a step gather the wheat into my barn mm-hmm. showing there's a different um end for the for the different seeds so this different seeds that were planted we know the enemy sowed the bad seed and god's going to deal with them separately and then brother lonnie the significance of this parable is that we're living as you said in the harvest time mm-hmm. And there's going to be a separation mm-hmm. at this time. God mm-hmm. is going to divide, between, even from out of the same field. Mm-hmm. And I think that's possibly difficult for people to understand. Is first of all, why would Satan um, sow in the same field? Where God, why didn't he go and sow in his own field? Mm-hmm. Well, why is he sowing in God's field? Why is he trying to mix up what what God is doing? And uh, and then, secondly. How does God deal with that, and when does he deal with it? Over to you, Brother Lenny. Well,
1: when you, when you say, why would he why would He come into God's field, uh, why did he go into Eden? Exactly. It's the same principle. Right. He went in there and sowed a high-bred seed, and that's exactly what's happening here. And then secondarily, of course, I want to reemphasize to your friends that it says, that, and the, and the two of them grew together. Unconscious. There was ben nobody shorts. aware the two were growing. And that's hmm. been our church ages through the ages. There's been two seeds within the framework of the church that have been growing together and not so very obvious. It says, but at harvest time, then they begin to question where did this other seed come from? And we notice that of all the parables in Matthew chapter 13, this is the one where we drift a little bit away from it, and then it comes back and it's the disciples say, explain to us about this right. parable that, that you explained to us about the wheat and tare. So God is doubly emphasizing this to us, so we want to be sure we understand it. Stay friends, keep listening. This is important to your eternal life. Go on, with this. So
2: in verse uh, 36 then, Jesus sends the multitude away. Once again, he's, he's, uh, he's not uh, willing to make all this information available to everybody, uh, without uh, discriminating uh, on his audience, and and, uh, we think that's a bad word, Discriminate. Sometimes discrimination is a good thing. Uh, We have to be very discriminating about what we eat. We ought to be very discriminating about the things that we allow into our homes, the things that we see, uh, the things that that we read and, and look at. So we ought to be discriminating. Certainly Jesus was in the way that He gave out this information. So once He had sent the multitude away in chapter 13, verse 36 of Matthew, Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Almost a hint of frustration in their voice. They they were, you know, what is this really about? They knew there was something. And he answered and said unto them, He that sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. Mm -hmm. The field is the world. Mm -hmm. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Mm. So these seeds were not just ideas. These were actual children. These were actual people. And uh, the, the ones that carried that, uh, those ideas that uh, Satan put into the church um, they, or into the world, they carried those seeds forward. And then it says in verse uh, uh, 39, The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, and so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And then he finishes with the same words, that we read in the seven churches in Revelation chapters one and two, He that has ears to hear, mm-hmm. let him hear. Mm-hmm.
1: This concept that we're talking about here is extremely important in this age, and I don't want you to miss it. These, the events that are bringing this to pass, are in 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 uh, outplaying themselves right now, just exactly the way that God said it would happen. So please don't miss what we're talking
2: about. I think, Brother Lonnie, the thing that, um, once we get the picture, the devil sowed the seed, these would be the uh, children of uh, righteousness versus the children of of unrighteousness. We know the scripture talks about that in another place, the children of disobedience. Okay, let me
1: inject now. This parable has to do with the church. This is not the world, friends. This is not the world. This, this, this Bible is written to to the church, right. and God speaks both to the false and to the true church, but that God speaks to the church. And so consequently, don't think of this as, oh, yeah, they're way out there. No, this is two seeds within the framework of professing Christianity. And many people look into this thing called the church, and they see this terror manifestation, and they discount the whole thing, to say there's nothing there. Yep, there is wheat there also. But God has said that two of them are going to grow together until these angels come and separate it out. Now, friends, these are not angels with wings on their back that are going to float down and do something. Angels are messengers. God is going to send men with a message, and that's going to do some separating. And, of course, the separator is always one thing, the Word of God. God sends a pure Word, and some will separate to it, and some will
2: run from it. Right. Thanks, Brother Lenny. the concept of two seeds in the church, as you mentioned, is uh, consistent from Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. You remember they had uh, Eve, um, notice we didn't say Adam, Eve had two, 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 two children, Cain right. and Abel, Right. Um, Seeds in the same field. Correct. Right. One was in error. One was the uh, had the truth. Right. Abel was the uh, had the true form of sacrifice, and Cain did not. Then we see the same thing happen uh, with Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember their mother. There were two seeds in the same womb, but mm-hmm. look at the difference in the mm-hmm. in the offspring. And so this is the same concept that God's talking about. The church always represents a woman, mm-hmm. or a woman is a representative of the church, and so. She's the bedding ground. Right. So when Satan wants to get an idea across, he doesn't go to another organization or something completely foreign. He comes right to where God is wanting to produce right. His uh, word, and he tries to uh, duplicate that or um, or to pervert it. And that's exactly what we're reading about in this parable. The the one of the the things that are. I feel that we should emphasize very much is that there's a maturing process that's going on with that seed. From the time that it grows, it comes up through different stages. Right. And at each stage, there's a there's a critical stage in that seed where it has to transition from one form to another mm-hmm. in its progress from the blades, and then it'll get a stalk, and then it'll get a tassel and so forth. And that at each critical stage, God would send a messenger mm-hmm. and he would say, okay, now at this point, we need to make sure that we're dealing with the right seed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's almost as if he comes back and checks on the progress. Mm-hmm. How is it doing through the stages that I've called it to go through? And then those when the angels, the messengers step in and God uses them to uh, make sure that they're producing what mm. they should produce at that stage. And today is no different. No different. What I see is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So
1: each age has to believe for another level of Amen. growing in Christ. Right. The Lutheran movement, when it started coming out of the dark ages, to merely believe that Jesus paid it all, that we could be justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That was a dynamic revelation, dynamic. No more burning candles, Hail Mary, freedom going to go to purgatory. None of that. Jesus paid it all. And so to catch that concept, God had to bring the word that would bring that result. But that church was not a very sanctified church. And so then God had to bring a further message through John Wesley to, to bring a teaching on the sanctified life and clean up the people and get the desire of sin out of their life and getting away from polluting the body with drinking, smoking, and then, and then God bringing it on into a Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s and so on down there. So God sends a man with a message to the age. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So then God sends the right word to produce the product or, as you said, the next level of growth in God's great wheat plant to get it ready for harvest.
2: Now the question that many times I've been asked is why does Satan choose to take on God? And in a sense, he's choosing to take on the thousand-pound gorilla. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, and well, first of all, Satan's no weakling. Mm -hmm. So he really believes that he has a chance. We know that from Scripture that he feels that he that he could rise up. Against God so be let's like be, God. he to be just like God yeah. and that's why we see that same pattern in the churches mm-hmm. where the churches try and usurp Christ's mm-hmm. authority. it's the same spirit in them to right. be like God yeah, yeah. Now there's another reason and that is the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So in this field where the seeds are planted we know seeds need water to grow. Satan is going to use the life-giving sustenance that God's going to provide for his wheat in order for that to help his seed mm-hmm. to go through its processes. Mm-hmm. Until right now today, we're seeing a very vibrant, healthy, error filled church. It's not <laughs> that the error filled church is, is weak and sickly. On the contrary, it's very vibrant and it seems to be doing well. And uh, that's, what, that's what it, fools people.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the question is, what life will it produce? There you go. Because it's it's what was, this, what was the basis this of the seed, seed that it came from. The
2: life is in the seed. Right. And the seed has the program for life that isn't going to change. Right. Once that seed is germinated, it's going to produce what it was programmed to produce. Right. And that's... And that's the key today, and, uh, and if you're looking at, at, at this video and wondering what's different about it, or this program, what's different about it uh, than any of the others that you might have seen, uh, here, is, here is the key, and that is that there is a rain that falls on the just and the unjust. And so you may see many things that are remarkable, and many things that may uh, catch your attention, but remember what you really should be looking for is not the outward manifestation. But it's what life was in that seed originally. In other words, is what it's producing today the same as it produced in the Scripture in the beginning when it was sown? Brother Lonnie, is is that a is that a problem? Do you think in the church today that that people see what's being produced and yeah. uh, and then think that it's got legitimacy? because of what's being produced.
1: The the question has so many compound answers. The first one I think of, of course, is the warning uh, that as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so will these of reprobate mind concerning the truth, withstand truth. And so the Janus and Jambres group, friend, in case you can't remember, that's the two court magicians that withstood Moses. But it was only Moses that had a message from God. And Janus and Jambres, at least initially, could do the same things Moses did. He threw down a stick and became a serpent. They did the same thing. He called for this. They called for that. So the, the things that they, they could repeat up to a certain place, they could repeat what Moses did. But the significance was they had no message. They were just there to confuse the issue. And that's what we see today. We watch... Uh, I hate to use the word television evangelism because here we are on television <laughs> ourselves but, but but nevertheless on television evangelism we watch these many anointed preachers and they are anointed but remember the rain falls on the just and the unjust but when they try to take you to an, an unscriptural God or draw you to themselves rather than to Christ ah, there's a wrong wrong something going on there so there's a wrong seed that's that's coming forth but the anointing ah, it's God it's God. The, the church is anointed by the Holy Ghost. But like he said, in the in the parable of the wheat and the tares, they both sat under the same sunshine. They were both planted in the same soil. They both received the same rain, but they produced a different crop because the seed was different. And the seed in the true church is the word of God.
2: I remember when we're talking about times, the harvest time, he says this would be the end of the world. Right. And he says, uh, in fact, that they would be bound for the burning. It, I can't help but be reminded of Sodom. And you remember that was the time when Abraham and his nephew Lot separated, and uh, Lot set his tent towards Sodom. He thought he'd go and uh, he thought the farmlands down there looked so much more beautiful. And, he'd, and, and you know what? He did prosper oh, yeah. in that environment. Eventually, it says he sat in the gate, which uh, some people say that would be like uh, that he was a city councilman, mm-hmm. that, that he was a person of authority in that city. And here in a wicked evil a city that we see later what became of that excuse me what uh, happened when the two angels came down to Sodom and how they behaved towards them in the most immoral manner mm-hmm. and Lot instead of screaming against that unrighteousness was content to to um, benefit mm-hmm. from the 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 material things in mm-hmm. that city mm-hmm. but then God uh, by his um, mercy uh, pulled Lot out. But at what price? He lost his wife. He mm-hmm. lost everything mm-hmm. that he had, mm-hmm. had thought was important to him and eventually even was in an immoral relationship with his own daughters. Mm-hmm. And so the consequences were terrible. Mm-hmm. But then the fire came down and consumed that that which was evil. And, and Abraham was just in a, figuratively just up the road. Mm-hmm. In other words, the two things were side by side. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get this concept that in the church, there's three kinds of believers. There was the true believer represented by Abraham outside of the city. Remember, we're talking about types and shadows. Mm-hmm. So this is an example of how God laid down this type right, right there in Genesis yes. that we would see there was a true believer, never went near Sodom, didn't mm-hmm. go towards the things of the world, wasn't interested in denominations and and walled in cities and uh, programs of men. He stayed, and he just wanted to hear what God had to say. Mm-hmm. But then Lot chose to go down to the city, and he represents the make-believer. And obviously mm-hmm. the people in the cities, they represent the unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can see how God dealt with each one of them differently. We want to make sure that we stay with Abraham. We want right. to be in the plains of Mamre. We want to be outside of the city. And we want to be where God called us to be. He never called them to go to Sodom. No. He called them to stay out of the cities. God always calls for a separation. Life, a separated,
0: separated
1: life. life. In, in our parable in Matthew 13, it talked about the gathering the tares to be burned. Right. And friends, this is not conjecture. This is thus saith the Lord. It is a movement likened unto the council of churches or world council of churches right. that is going to gather together all the tear churches, and they will they will stand for the reasoning of men. If you read uh, even on the web about what these church groups are doing, they're supporting. Your, your your church group may be sending money to it, but they're sending money to revolutionary groups and all kinds of right. non-Christian things and activities going on behind the curtain as they pull their political strings to gain power. And they will gain power. And so they so now this this uh, ecumenical move moving toward a world council of churches or council of churches. I'm not sure what the name will end up being, but it's going to unite unite the the Protestant churches and. Again, we're jumping back and forth in our, in our shadows here. I can't help but want to explain this, that in, in Revelation chapter 13, in the second half of the chapter, I think starting at about verse 11, uh, there's a little lamb with two horns <clears throat> rising up out of the earth, the non-populated part of the world. That represents America, and the two horns are civil and ecclesiastical power. And so it's like a lamb because it's a young nation, and it's, and it's got the two horns, which is its two powers, government power and church power. And right now in America there is a great demand for separation of church and state. But the Bible indicates that those two powers will come together again, and that church and state will not separate. And then the, the, the same scriptures in Revelation chapter 13 continue to go right on to say that this, this second power, which rises up out of the earth, which will be, be kind of like a world council of churches, but it initiates here in America. That this power will rise up and point the people back to the first beast, so it's going to take the Protestant churches and cause them to want to unite back to the Roman Church again, and that's exactly what's happening today. We see it all around us. Fifty years ago, you wouldn't have believed that the Protestants would unite back with Romanism, but the Bible said that would, and so now here we see it. It's taking place. So therefore, the the tear churches are going to be gathered together in a council of churches. The, then, then the the wheat group will be raptured, taken into the barn, will be raptured, and then the tares will be burned in the great tribulation. So friends, we're right on top of it. We can see the gathering, and the messengers have already come forth to separate out these groups. So we can see the time is right on us, friends. We're, we're in the midst of this, this parable prophecy taking place right today. Excuse me for interrupting. No, themes. that
2: was uh, that was perfect, Brother Lonnie. It was exactly the the direction that I think Jesus wanted us to go when he told this parable. Mm-hmm. He wanted us to see that um, even though these two seeds were in the ground at the same time, it wasn't our job to go in and try to uh, do the. Uh, to do his work for mm. him and to try and separate, but was to let God do the separating. Mm, and right. uh, the word church means called out or A, separated. Very important and, point. Right. And called so out. we have to be called out of uh, the the systems of the world. And, and if there's uh, any man-made uh, interpretation of scripture or doctrine, we need to separate mm. from that. We have to stay with that original seed. And mm. the spoken word that God gave in the beginning, that is the original seed. Mm-hmm. And and when the when the man goes into harvest, the farmer, he will. Look at the seed that is uh, on the stalk, and uh, he'll evaluate whether it's ready for harvest based on its similarity with the seed that he planted. Mm -hmm. And when the seed that he he planted is reproduced now Mm -hmm. on the stalk, he says, right, now send in the combine harvesters. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking for the fully revealed Word of God to be manifest in this day the way it was when it was originally planted. And then we believe it will be the catching way of the church. Yeah, well,
1: in, in our Old Testament parables, again, of course, this would be called the wave sheaf offering. Right. That Brother Branham's ministry came back in a replication of the very ministry of Jesus Christ to show us that we we're at, were at harvest time. Right. And the whole field doesn't reach harvest maturity at the same time, friends. And so consequently, one ministry has risen up to show us we're at harvest time. We've seen the life of Jesus Christ as Luke 17:30, the revealing of the Son of Man has already been fulfilled in our day through, through this ministry that we've we continually talk about. So we're at the end. This has been it. Harvest time is here. The first of the field has ripened, and now we're just watching God to let him, to see him bring the rest of the field to harvest maturity. And so the grain of God laying in the seed to ripen, this is the end time, friends. This is the end time. Stay with us. We're going to pick up on this subject very next time. We closed out the session talking to you about the wave sheaf offering, and that may be a little bit of a new thought to you. It's actually taken out of Leviticus chapter 23. I've got the verses written here. And in verse 10, it talks about that when they'll reap the harvest, then they're to bring a sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest under the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, shall the priest wave it. Well, the morrow after the Sabbath, that's on Sunday, and that's when Jesus resurrected. And so his wave sheaf offering was to depict the resurrected life of Christ. The ministry of William Branham has depicted again this very same wave sheaf offering, the resurrected life of Christ.
0: Friends, today's program is one of an eight-part series entitled From Shadow to Reality. This series is available on three DVDs and may be ordered by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or you may visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. You'll find a variety of files for downloading, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.